From Astoria to the Rockaways, it's time for the Queen's New Yorker. And here is the man giving you all the info, your uber snazzy and jazzy host, Mr. Jason Dacanio! Saturday people are here in that front row. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, it is so good to have you back here. Thank you very much. Ah. All righty. Great welcome indeed from a great audience, and we thank you very much for joining us for another edition of the Queen's New Yorker. It is Saturday, September 19, 2020, getting real close to October. Two weeks left, and it's been a tricky month as we've been getting along here since our debut show for the sixth season on uh, the September 1st. So 18 days into the program, into the series, and uh, we are doing kind of low right now. I think YouTube is going through a transition period right now. A little low on the subscribers. We lost seven. We were at 1,082, we're at 1,075, we're still over 1,000, but the views keep going up. So my, hopefully, you know, our series on Bridges and Tunnels is inspiring you to get back to enjoying our show. Remember, of course, follow us on Anchor to get all of the back archive episodes. i really like to thank the people from the Facebook group pages. They are the ones that are actually watching the programs and the back episodes on Anchor. We thank you very much for them. So give it up for them. That's today. We're looking at episode 131 today, part one of the history of the Queensboro Bridge. Yes. All right. So. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yep. So we're still continuing on the East River, as you probably are aware of. We did the Brooklyn Bridge. We did the Manhattan Bridge, the Williamsburg. And now we're looking at the famous Queensboro Bridge. And if you're familiar with the Queensboro Bridge, folks, if you've ever watched Archie Bunker's Place, you've seen the opening and closing credits, that bridge is famous for its popularity with that show. And they've shown snippets all the time. So we're going to look at the history, and we're going to delve in, of course, verbatim, Right here, the Wikipedia is our friend. It is the free encyclopedia. All the information comes from that, and we're going to journalistically report it to you. So here we go. Serious proposals for a bridge linking Manhattan to Long Island City were first made as early as 1838, and attempts to finance such a bridge were made by a private company beginning in 1867. Now, its efforts never came to fruition, and the company went bankrupt in the 1890s. Successful plans finally came about in 1903 after the creation in 1898 of Greater New York City through the amalgamation of Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, and Staten Island. 
Now, under the city, new city's Department of Bridges, led by Gustav Lindenthal, who was appointed to the new position of Commissioner of Bridges in 1902, in collaboration with Leffert L. Buck and Henry Hornbolstel, designers of the Williamsburg Bridge. Construction soon began, but it would take until 1909 for the bridge to be completed due to, tele- to delays from the collapse of an incomplete span during a windstorm and from labor unrest, which included an attempt to dynamite one span. The bridge opened for public use on March 30th, 1909, having cost about 18 million and 50 lives. There was a 10 cent toll to drive over the bridge, and the bridge's ceremonial grand opening was held on June 12th of 1909. At the time, it was the fourth longest bridge in the world. The grand opening included a fireworks display, and the bridge was then known as the Blackwell's Island Bridge from an earlier name for Roosevelt Island. The bridge's upper level originally contained two pedestrian walkways and two elevated railway tracks, which connected a spur of the IRT 2nd Avenue elevated line in Manhattan to the Greensboro Plaza Station in Queens. Three lanes of roadway were installed on the south side of the upper level in 1931, replacing the former upper level walkway. All service on the 2nd Avenue elevated was discontinued in 1942. So from 55 to 1958, two additional lanes were built on the upper level. And the upper level ramps on the Queen's end of the bridge were built during the same time. The lower deck originally hosted four motor traffic lanes and what is now the outer roadway and pedestrian walk were two trolley lanes. A trolley connected passengers from Queens and Manhattan to a stop in the middle of the bridge where passengers could take an elevator or the stairs down to Roosevelt Island. The trolley operated from the bridge's opening until April 7th of 1957. The trolley lanes and mid-bridge section, as well as the stairs, were removed in the 50s following the trolley's discontinuation, and for the next few decades, the bridge carried 11 lanes of automobile traffic. In 1930, an elevator was built on the bridge to transport cars and passengers to what was then called Welfare Island, now Roosevelt Island. Then in 1959, the Welfare Island Bridge from Queens opened, allowing automobile and truck access to the island and the only non-aquatic means in and out of the island. The vehicle elevator to Queensboro Bridge then closed, but wasn't demolished until 1970. However, as late as August of 73, a separate passenger elevator ran during the work week from near the Queen's end of the bridge to Welfare Island via the Welfare Island elevator storehouse, which was described at the time as clean but gloomy. There was also at one time what was known as the Upside Down Building on the north side of the bridge because its main entrance was on the bridge and this provided access to the hospitals on the island. This building, which was located about where the current tram station is, has now been demolished. After years of decay and corrosion, an extensive renovation of the bridge began in 1987 and completed in 2012, having cost over $300 million. So for a brief period in 1997, the traffic directions of the upper-level roadways were reversed during rush hours so that the upper-level used a left-handed traffic pattern. Manhattan-bound traffic used the southern roadway, while Queens-bound traffic used the northern roadway. 
After residents of the Upper East Side voiced concerns about severe rush hour congestion, this traffic pattern was discontinued, and the South Side walkway on the lower level was converted to a Queensbound vehicular lane during the evening rush hour. The outer roadway was later open to vehicles at all times. But after a series of fatal crashes in 2013, officials decided to close the ramp during the nighttime. In March of 2009, the New York City Bridge Centennial Commission sponsored events making or marking the centennial of the bridge's opening. And the bridge was also designated as a National Historic Civil Engineering Landmark by the American Society of Civil Engineers during the year of its centennial anniversary. In 2010 of December, the city announced that the bridge would be renamed in honor of former Mayor Ed Koch from the Queensboro Bridge to the Ed Koch Queensboro Bridge. The new name became official in March of 2011. The renaming decision was unpopular among Queens residents and business leaders, and many local residents continue to refer to the bridge by its older name. Now, New York City Council member Peter Vallone Jr. from Queens vowed to remove Koch's name from the bridge. Vallone said, Never in a million years would they think to rename the Brooklyn or Manhattan bridges, but for some reason, it was okay to slap Queens around. Oh, wow. Yes. So that is a look at the historic history of the ever-popular Queensboro Bridge. Give it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was a short presentation in its own right, which is really cool. I, I like the fact that, um, you know, we are just taking ourselves to many different areas on the East River of these bridges. And even though we're not covering Queens in these bridges, we're learning a lot about the five boroughs. So hopefully with that in mind, um, we take every bit of these episodes uh, with a not for granted, but we also understand that these bridges have gone through a lot over the past hundred years and have continued to get a lot of renovation. But because they're historic landmarks right now, um, this is important because they're going to be around for the rest of the time that even after we're gone, they're still going to be around as long as the city can pay for the renovations and the cost to keep them going. So it's important to understand where they came from, what was the purpose, and why, so that we know and understand that, you know, the architecture on these bridges goes beyond anything that happens today because today's bridges are made of concrete and, and steel, and yet, they're simplified, not as much as what they were put together back 100 years ago with what tools and, you know, and how many people lost their lives. Today, of course, there's more safety structures and safety precautions taken. So the people who risk their lives to build these bridges, we should pay homage 
and honor and respect to those who lost their lives to any bridge that was built between 1900 and 1950. 50 years of it. And, you know, I look back now and I say to myself, you know, the preservation of any bridge, any tunnel uh, in New York goes to show you the level of intensity that these architectural designers and the construction people went through to get all that money through grants, through contributions, and, of course, through taxes. They had to do it as well, which was hard back in the days. But for those people who travel the bridges and the tunnels to pay their tolls, uh, there is a reason why you get from point A to point B. We are still in a system where preservation is important and key. And we have to understand that this is our future. And this will continue to be an issue of keeping these architectural designs in good condition for the future. And it's important to discuss these things and to learn about them and to understand and then come up with a tremendous respect for them. Because no matter where you live in the country, these bridges and tunnels have an important history and they must be taught to those who don't know it and who want to learn it and understand it. The very bridges and tunnels that you drive on today in your state were not just thought up and put there just to get from one area to another. A lot of thought and a lot of dedication came to building these monstrous structures. So that's why we're going through and looking at them. And I thank you very much for continuing to stay with us here through these uh, Bridges and Tunnels series. Because when we come out of this Bridges and Tunnels series, the next thing we're going to be looking at is cemeteries. <laughs> and for all those people who love to talk about cemeteries, there's a lot of it. Trust me. So cemeteries play a very important part to New York and the five boroughs. There's a lot of history that goes on and how they came about. That's further on down. So next up on Tuesday, we're going to be looking on our continuation of the East River Bridges. We'll look at the Roosevelt Island Bridge. It's a very, very short history. So what we'll do is look at that one and the Triborough Bridge. Ooh, that's going to be a big one. Yes. So that with the look of a, so two bridges on Tuesday's episode. I'm Jason DeCanio. And remember, friends, be honest, be real. Keep it simple, stupid and kiss. And remember, fakeness does not make greatness. And do not tolerate plagiarism because all we have here is verbatim. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday. Bye for now. You have been watching The Queen's New Yorker. This is Jason Kelly on a Jason DeCanio internet presentation. Thank you for your support.
Thank you.